When you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about your out-of-pocket costs. That can be a lot of money. But are your bills accurate? Well, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills contain errors. HealthLock can help you. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, and fraud. You can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. To date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. So to save, visit HealthLock.com today. That's HealthLock.com today. I know you're paying attention to global events as well as what's going on in our nation. War and increased conflict is bubbling up in more places. Countries are buying and hoarding massive amounts of gold. Why aren't you? It's time to pull the trigger with the Oxford Gold Group and buy gold and silver. Nobody can predict the future, but we can't put our head in the sand either. Call Oxford Gold Group right now and you may qualify for up to $10,000 in free precious metals. Call 833 833- 995 gold that's 833-995-GOLD, 833-995-G-O-L-D. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Rush Limbaugh Show podcast. Somebody asked me last night, Rush, since since you know these people so well and you know what's going to happen, is it ever... Just get old hat and boring when it does happen, and it happens exactly as you say. I said, no, it's kind of like playing golf. Hitting a straight down the middle drive never gets boring, right, Brian? Never gets boring. It just continues to be fun. Great to have you with us, folks. Here we are, three more hours straight ahead. Broadcast excellence, El Rushbo at... 800-282-2882, the email address, lrushbo at eibnet.us. Let me share with you some headlines here. Um, I have, as usual, an entirely different take on what happened last night than what you're getting in the drive-by media. And my t- I want to I I just ask you a series of questions as my take on this. But here are the headlines from the drive-bys that, that this is all conventional wisdom. This is, this is all, um, I don't know, so utterly predictable. Narrow win in New Hampshire bolsters Sanders' front-runner status. All right. Just bank all this, and we're going to come back to it. Is it already too late for the establishment to stop Bernie? What establishment? You mean they're not, they're admitting there's a Democrat establishment? Is it, and is it too late to stop crazy Bernie? Why Joe Biden's campaign is collapsing? Grab audio soundbite number one. I want to play for you something I said back on May 1st, 2019. When Joe Biden first got in this race, some of you will remember this. I'm going to whisper this to you because I don't want... You just keep this between you and me, okay? Turn your radios up a little bit so you can hear this, because I don't want this to get out. Don't anybody tweet this. Don't anybody put it on Facebook. 
But old Joe is not going to be able to handle the rigors. It ain't going to be long, folks. Going to have to, going to have to pull out. Now, what did I know that these wizards of smart in mainstream media news didn't know? Where in his track record has Joe Biden ever won anything in any presidential contest he's entered? I'm not trying to be mean. I don't want anybody to misunderstand this. This is just fact-based analysis, intelligence guided by experience or vice versa. There is no way Joe Biden was ever going to be the nominee of the Democrat Party. It wasn't going to happen because it hasn't happened when he's tried before. He hasn't done anything to erase the negatives that happened in the past. The fact that he was Obama's vice president and Obama won't even endorse him and Obama's out telling other Democrat candidates that Biden doesn't even have a connection with voters. In other words, Biden... Obama was telling, you know, Obama's office in Washington, he's been receiving Democrat candidates. They're coming in, they're asking him for advice and so forth, and he's been handing it out. But that, that's another questionable thing. I mean, the people Obama endorses lose as well. But some of these Democrat candidates are reporting that when they went in to seek advice and counsel from Obama... That Obama would say things, you know, when, when in 2008, when I went into Iowa, I had a deep connection with Iowa voters, but I've lost that connection. They don't last forever in politics. But he said, let me tell you somebody who never had it, and that's Joe Biden. Now, what he meant was Biden didn't do a thing to help Obama get elected in Obama's mind. But you know where Biden was valuable to Obama? And I... I guess this doesn't count for much. You can't find anybody more loyal to Barack Obama than Joe Biden was. Whenever Obama was in any trouble, whenever they needed somebody to stick up for Obama, his character, whatever it was, they brought Biden out at the convention or wherever, and there was nobody better to sing the virtues and praises of Obama than Biden, and he did it. And this is his reward. It's a cutthroat business, but he was never going to be the nominee. Well, what about all the polls, Rush? What about all the polls the past year that show him as the front runner? Yeah, what about those polls? What what do they mean? Another thing that I have been attempting to get people to pay attention to, and that is ignore all of these polls that are taken months before any kind of an election because they don't matter. That's not their purpose. These people that had Biden as the front runner for the last five months ought to be getting out of business by now, don't you think? I have never believed that Biden was going to be the nominee. And I've made that abundantly clear on many occasions. It has nothing to do with what I think of him. It has nothing to do with whether I like him or not. Just straight up and down political analysis that frankly isn't hard. But these people in the drive-by media get all caught up in the fact that he's an ex-vice president and that's the number one qualifier. He's a sitting vice president. He was Obama's vice president. By golly, by gosh, that's who the establishment Democrats ought to want. Well, they don't. And they never did. And why did Biden get in the first place? He had to be dragged into this. Does anybody remember this? 
Biden didn't really want to do it. They had to drag him in there, and that's because of crazy Bernie. Now, you just stick with me here. I want to go through the rest of these headlines. Why Biden's campaign's... Can I, I had an answer to that one right here. And it's not, this story is from Ben Dominich in the, um, in the New York Post. But let me, let me tell you why <laughs> this is great. Never Trump Republicans were secretly working on the Biden campaign. Did you know this? Emails obtained by the New York Post show that two top staffers from John Kasich's failed 2016 primary campaign were among those involved in efforts to boost support for Biden in the Hawkeye Hawkeye and the New Hampshire primary. Documents attached to one email showed the, uh, the group planned to identify and target at least 5,000 Democrats from the conservative voter base in each of Iowa's four congressional districts and then use that information in suppression, persuasion, and get-out-the-vote efforts. So you had a bunch of never-Trumpers. A bunch of Republican never-Trumpers, including Kasich's people. Trying to help Biden get elected, trying to help Biden get the nominee because they can't stand Trump. They hate Trump. They can't find a way to get rid of Trump. So they figured the best way to get rid of Trump is Biden. So these never Trumpers struck out again, demonstrating once again, they don't have a feel for the electorate. They don't have a feel for what the American people, they don't have a feel for what their own party voters want. Never Trump Republicans helping Joe Biden Why? You want to talk about the kiss of death. And it happened. I find it funny. I find it immensely satisfying. Got a bunch of nose out of joint, never Trump Republicans. Who have it in their heads that they've got to hate Trump for reasons they can't even enunciate anymore. Despite every supposed policy they told us all those years they endorsed... Now being implemented and working, that doesn't matter to them. They got to get rid of the guy who's implementing everything they've ever believed or said they believed. And they have been working to undermine Donald Trump since the campaign of 2016. Now they've been working to undermine Trump's reelection. They probably had a lot to do with um, all the Russia impeachment hoax stuff. Now they've been helping Biden. Is it any wonder the guy went down the tubes? Of course, Biden was capable of that all by himself. But with the assistance of John Kasich and his campaign team, Biden's failure was thus guaranteed and assured. There's another headline here. Biden would show selfless patriotism by quitting the race. That is Peter Funt. USA Today. The Democrats have the strangest definitions of patriotism. Biden would show selfless patriotism by quitting the race. Let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you people one thing here. Joe Biden still has value to the Democrats that they may not realize. Because I'll tell you, if Biden, well, Biden's finished. And you know what that means? That means that a significant percentage of the black vote is legitimately up for grabs by Donald Trump.
That's what that means. And that is going to dawn on these people the minute they for the minute it's official that Biden's it's official now, but it's not official because he's still in there. But he is done. But once it's official, once it's you know, after Nevada, South Carolina, you watch, panic is going to set in. Here's Byron York, Washington Examiner. What happened to Elizabeth Warren? What happened to Elizabeth Warren? Can you say she tried to say she's an Indian? What do you mean what happened to Elizabeth Warren? And then she said that, she, that her kids didn't go to private school with this. She can't tell the truth. What happened to Elizabeth Warren? How about you didn't build that? What happened to Elizabeth Warren? The question is, why was she ever viable? Why did Elizabeth Warren ever? Now, maybe within the context of the Democrat nomination, you can say that, uh, that she thought, but you, th- th- these are people that get caught up in their own created media narratives that are oftentimes, well, created absent any consideration of public opinion. Or maybe they calculate public opinion by, lo- by looking at polls, which have Biden as the clear front runner with nobody even close. There's a lot less gut being utilized by political analysts. And it's, let's see, Amy Klobuchar is the thinking moderate. I'm sorry, Amy Klobuchar is the thinking moderate Democrats candidate. That's in Vox. You know, they've got a word for what happened to Klobuchar, Clobmentum. It sounds like a constipation drug you might see on TV, Clobmentum. Greetings and welcome back. Meeting and surpassing all audience expectations. L. Rushbo here behind the Golden EIB microphone. And just as a reminder, I may have to hit the cough button here or there. I may sniffle a few times, still getting over a case of the flu from the from the past weekend. Also, uh, getting into detail on this uh, supposed kerfuffle of the Justice Department with these four Mueller prosecutors, so-called prosecutors, quitting... This is some of the best news to come down the pike in a long time. This whole business about the sentencing of Roger Stone. We'll get to it in uh, in due course. But I I, I want to finish what we started here, and I want to present you the options I think the Democrat Party's faced with after what happened uh, to Hawkeye Kokai and in the New Hampshire primary. But first, uh, more evidence that you're right where you need to be. If you want to know what's First, and if you want to be cutting-edge political analysis, last night, CNN special coverage, New Hampshire primary, former Governor Terry, the punk McAuliffe, the Clinton campaign, the Clinton White House, uh, Governor of Virginia, had this to say. You've got to give this guy credit. I mean, he came in first in Iowa. Looks like he's going to be second tonight. This was a guy of a mayor of a small town a year ago. Nobody gave this guy a chance. Talking about Mayor Pete Booty Judge. Uh, nobody ever heard of this guy. Nobody knew where this guy was. Nobody, uh, not so fast. Let's go back to 11 months ago today. Keep a sharp eye out for Mayor Pete. Keep an eye on this guy. Is going to make mincemeat of all the rest of these people when his time comes. To face these people in debate, if he gets that far, keep an eye on Mayor Pete of South Bend. It's all I'm going to say. 
This guy was articulate for what he believes. He was personable. He had an answer for everything. There was no, and you know, I like that. And there was no radicalism. Some things that he believes about Trump are typically crazy. But keep an eye out for Mayor Pete. He's 37. Keep an eye out for Mayor Pete. Snurdly has been ticked off at me for making that observation nearly a year ago because Snurdly believes had I not made the observation, a lot of people would not have given Mayor Pete booty judge the time of day. But just to illustrate, now, now Mayor Pete is, like every other leftist Democrat in this whole roster, a fraud in the sense that he's trying to cover up the fact that he is a radical leftist. His dad was a Marxist communist who loved the Communist Manifesto. Mayor Pete is trying to carve a niche for himself where he's not Crazy Bernie, because Crazy Bernie's got that all wrapped up. But I, I don't care who the Democrats not The party, as we've said, has is gone. It is a far-left party now. There isn't any moderate wing of any significance or size. There isn't any uh, uh, segment of it that uh, is is not some flavor or form of socialist. They want you to believe that it is. They want you to believe Crazy Bernie's off on a tangent and that he's not really uh, the defining policy set for the for the Democrat Party. But a party is what its base is, and it, its base is maybe even to the left of Crazy Bernie. So let's say you're the Democrat establishment and you're faced with some hard cold truths. You got Bernie number one, Booty Judge number two, and Klobuchar with her Klobmentum number three. You get Focahontas way back there in the background. Barely out of the TP, bringing up the tail end, Biden's gone. So you're faced with a dyed-in-the-wool socialist who's not even a Democrat. A gay guy, 37 years old, loves kissing his husband on debate stages. Can you see Trump have fun with that? And Amy Klobuchar. So you are whoever the grand poobah is in the Democrat Party. You're looking at your options today. And you're, <laughs> you're, you're asking, okay, can we win with club? We don't want to put Klobuchar up there because she doesn't have a prayer. Trump's going to wipe the floor with her. And that would mean two women in a row get wiped out by Donald Trump. Two Democrat women in a row. We can't have that. We can't let that happen. Then they're sitting there, and they're looking at Mayor Pete, 37-year-old gay guy, Mayor South Bend, loves to kiss his husband on the debate stage. And they're saying, okay, how's this going to look? 37-year-old gay guy kissing his husband on stage next to Mr. Man Donald Trump. What's going to happen there? And they got to be looking at that, and they've got to be saying... That despite all the great progress and despite all the great wokeness and despite all the great ground that's been covered, America's still not ready to elect a gay guy kissing his husband on the debate stage president. They have to be saying this, don't they? 
Now, there may be some Democrats who think that is the ticket. There may be some Democrats who think that's exactly what we need to do, Rush. Get a gay guy kissing his husband on stage, you ram it down Trump's throat, and beat him in a, in a general election. Really? <laughs> Having fun envisioning that. What are they left with? Crazy Bernie. They're left with the avowed revolutionary socialist who isn't even a Democrat. So which of those three... They want to take all three out. They would like to get rid of all three of those. The establishment of the Democrats. But if they can't, which of those three would they rather lose with? Who among those three losing will do the least damage to the Democrat Party going forward? That's what they are facing, if you ask me. So let me give you a another headline. Millionaire takes half of poor person's last $6 so she can stay in failed race for president. This news story just broke, and it is a headline to a tweet from Focahontas. The tweet reads as follows. A young girl came up to me tonight and said, I'm a broke college student with a lot of student loan debt. I checked and I have $6 in the bank. So I just gave $3 to keep you in this fight. Focahontas said, we are staying in this fight for the people who are counting on us. So here's Focahontas, a millionaire. Elizabeth Warren has millions of dollars. Not going to get into how she got it. Not the point. She got millions of dollars. She comes in. So far back last night, you need a you need a telescope to see her. She doesn't have a prayer out there. She gets a tweet from a broke in debt college co-ed. Says, I checked it, I'm down to six bucks, and I'm gonna send you three of and she kept the money. She kept the three bucks and then used the message as a sign she's going to keep fighting for the people who are counting on her. Had it been me, I would have I would have sent the money back and stayed in the race if that was the intent. But you know what this is? This is total absence of any empathy whatsoever. This is so egoistic. It's incredible. Elizabeth Warren can only see this one way. The circumstances of this young girl are irrelevant to her. All she sees, this woman, this young girl loves me. I must stay in for this young girl. Rather than see an opportunity here to score a point, this mind-boggling. reminds me how when Clinton was having back in the 90s, all these bake sales students in, in, in junior high, middle school were running little, in grade schools, running bake sales to reduce the federal deficit and they were sending Clinton the money they raised 25 bucks here 30 bucks and he was keeping the money promised to apply it to the deficit what was the lesson the taxes you pay are not enough you need to do bake sales for your government you need to raise even more money for your government in addition to the taxes that we are collecting from you And these are the people 
we're told, who have all the compassion for the downtrodden, the homeless, the hungry, the thirsty. And you can't find any evidence that they do. You want another shocking bit of news from last night's turnout? In fact, let me let me find a graphic here. Trump turnout, and he wasn't even contested, dwarfed the Democrat turnout in Iowa, and it happened again last night in New Hampshire. In fact, here's a here's a breakdown of some numbers. Trump's record-breaking incumbent voter turnout. If you are an incumbent and you are unopposed, there's no reason to show up other than to show your support. I mean, your candidate doesn't really need you because he's already got the nomination locked up. Last night, 118,774 people showed up to vote for Donald Trump. 118,774, and they found a bunch of them were Democrats. A bunch of them are stealth, didn't they? They hadn't identified them before. I mean, the, 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 that that number is close to what the, the turnout was for the Democrat candidates who were actually in a contest. But here's some even starker comparisons. Obama, who was running in 2012 unopposed. This is the New Hampshire primary. Obama, 49,000 votes. Trump, 118,000. In 2004, George W. Bush, incumbent, unopposed, New Hampshire primary, 53,000 votes. Bill Clinton, 1996, 76,000 votes. And Reagan, 1984, 65,000 votes. Trump is dwarfing every previous incumbent president so far in turnout and votes so far in the Iowa caucus and the New Hampshire primary. It equals enthusiasm, and it and and it equals, uh, I think, a very energized level of support, and I think much of it, not all, obviously, but a significant percentage of it is driven by the never-ending, ceaseless hatred for Trump throughout the drive-by media. I think the drive-by media is actually being counterproductive for their own interests. I think they are creating Trump support. They're not hurting Trump. They are creating more and more Trump support among people who otherwise wouldn't even be motivated to go out on a night where Trump's election is not even in question. But these are people that want to go back and show the mainstream media or whoever it is that's, that's angering them that it isn't working. There is so much enthusiasm for Trump out there, it's, it's going to be hard to tabulate. But on the, on the other side... NBC News exit polls showed last night voters between the ages of 18 to 29 made up only 11 percent of the Democrat electorate. 18 to 20 millennials made up only 11 percent of the Democrat electorate, far below the 19 percent of 18 to 29-year-olds who voted in 2016. Now, we keep being told 
that the Democrats have all this enthusiasm. They hate Trump. It's just about beating Trump. We've got to find anybody who can beat Trump. Trump's got to go. Trump's got to go. The Democrat Party doesn't care who. They're so energized. They hate Trump. They hate the name calling. They hate the mud slinging. They hate the tweeting. They hate Trump. They hate him. They can't wait to get rid of Trump. There is no such enthusiasm. At least it isn't showing up in Iowa, and it didn't show up in New Hampshire. Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders' percentage of the vote that he got, no, he's only opposed by, by crooked Hillary back in 2016, but it doesn't matter. Bernie Sanders, has his support has dropped off the, the map. He, means he barely ekes out a win last night. He wins. It counts as a win, although Booty Judge is still leading in delegates, but... The enthusiasm for crazy Bernie is even waning. How do you explain that? Like I said yesterday, the Democrats are offering solutions to problems that no longer exist. And boy, is that ever true of crazy Bernie. Hey, that time to grab a quick phone call here before the break. We do. So which, which one of these do you think I should go to first? Just give me a number. That would be Bob in Ormond Beach, Florida. Hey, Bob, great to have you. Hello, sir. Rush, it is such an honor since 1988. We love you. Thank you, sir, very much. So regarding the, the, the since this is the morning of the Biden demise, um, it's about leadership. And the irony here is that the Democratic, the DNC, the strategist, the status quo, the Dem establishment purposely nominates somebody who isn't a leader. They want the opposite. They want a pushover, somebody that will allow their grifting and allow them to, with open arms, steal from the government. It's the same, it's the same reason Hillary lost. And the people in this country recognize the leadership quality of Mr. Trump versus what is lacking in these Dem establishment leaders. I'd love your thoughts. Well, I'm not sure I understand. You, you think they wanted Biden because he's a pushover and they can really run the government while he's sitting there not knowing what's going on. Is that basically your exactly, point? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Well, why didn't you just say that? Okay, sorry. <laughs> I was trying to be eloquent because I'm on the air. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, well, if, if, if that was their plan, that's kind of up in teepee smoke, isn't it? Yes. So if they wanted a pushover in there that they could actually control for, you said steal money or do whatever. I, well, and I didn't mean steal. I mean grift. You know, the typical Democratic establishment grifters that want to. They're going to do that. They're going to do that no matter Biden's. That, 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 I, I'm not trying to diminish your point because your point is right. good that, that, that Biden was chosen, that he was preferred because he's not going to know where he is half the day. And it, it, it he's, and he's admitted this, and he's going to appoint people that are going to actually be. He'll be a Robert Mueller, be sitting up there doing nothing while the real power brokers are people we won't even know, pulling the levers for their own advantage. Um, and if this was their dream, like I said, it's up in smoke. And if that was their dream, what kind of power do these people? If there, if there was this big movement to get Joe Biden nominated, who are these people behind it? Because they obviously don't have much juice. I guess I I, I hadn't thought of that. That that that, uh, that broke college co-ed with six bucks in the bank that gave Focahontas three dollars, and that Focahontas kept. I just got a note from somebody. You got to remember, Rush. That young girl is hoping that she can get a free education. That Focahontas will forgive her student loan. 
by investing a couple of bucks. <laughs> uh, maybe it makes sense. Okay, here's three bucks. If you get elected, you can forgive my student loan, but it isn't going to happen. And even if that was the objective, Focahontas should have given the money back. Should not have kept them. Somebody, here, I only have six bucks, and I'm going to give half of it to you. You're so important. Crying out loud. But I guess that's why I'm not in politics. Back to the phones. Granger, Indiana. Victor, great to have you, sir. Welcome to the EIB Network. Thank you, Rush. It's an honor to speak with you. Great to have you here. You mentioned earlier the three candidates. Who would the Democrats want to lose with? I would have to say Amy Klobuchar would be the one. Um, I think they're still in the process of grooming Mayor Pete for probably a 2024 run, an honest one. And you don't want to put him on the... Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, Still in the process of grooming Mayor Pete. Oh, definitely. He's been groomed his whole career. He ran for... Oh, you mean mean prepped as a... I'm sorry. You meant... Whatever. You meant prepped as a... Yeah, okay, and so they don't want to throw him away, right? They don't, they don't want Mayor Pete to lose now. No, he's a Barack Obama of 2024 is what they're thinking. Really? Is he going to get vitiligo or something? What's that? Nothing. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> But I, I really think, you know, he's, he's their big... All right, so, 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 so you think that they would be... I'll just take what you... You think that they, the Democrat establishment, would be content to lose two presidential elections in a row, women at the top of the ticket, Hillary and uh, Amy Klobuchar? Yeah, because they can, still, they can still blame it on sexist America not wanting to vote for a woman, and they've already started the process of saying... Trump's stealing the 2020 election with the Ukraine scandal. Yeah. Uh, so they're getting all their excuses in a row, and then they can pop Mayor Pete in there in 2024 with more more name recognition, more exposure over the next four years. Why wouldn't they want to lose? And it, look, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just I'm picking your brain for Why wouldn't they want to lose with crazy Bernie at the top of the ticket? Why wouldn't they uh, want abject they socialism want to get creamed? Uh, I don't. I think uh, with Amy Klobuchar, she's a more a safe candidate, and her what her views would be, how she comes across, rather than the extreme. I think they know they need to stay in the center to win on the national level, whether they believe in the far left or not. You know, they want the far left agenda, but I think they want to stay in the center as far as perception. Well, yeah, I understand the perception of wanting to stay in the center. But perceptions oftentimes are going to succumb to reality. That's the problem with them. That is, I think, one of the problems the Democrat Party has. It is for, for most of my life, the Democrat Party has masked itself and hid from uh, everybody what its real intentions are. And uh, during the Obama years, they started to get brave and then after Obama, when Trump got elected, they are totally brave. Now, here comes crazy Bernie, some of the other left-wing radicals, uh, all the stuff happening on college campus. And it's going to be tough to put that back in the bottle. And I just, I don't believe there is a great middle in the Democrat Party anymore. I said this yesterday. I just don't believe it exists. I don't believe that it exists in the country. How, how can there be such a grand and great middle if we are so partisan? 
If we are more partisanly divided than we've been since the Civil War, how in the world can there be this great swath of moderate people that don't care one way or the other in the middle? And that's what people in the middle are, right? People don't care one way or the other. And so it's a myth that they're there. But everybody in politics lives with the belief that they are there and that they can get them and that by getting them, they can then define themselves as something that's not radical or not extreme, that we are the middle, straight down the middle. There aren't enough people in that swath, whatever it is, to uh, get anybody elected. Speaking of Klobuchar, this is, um, I, I, I said they've got a new nickname for her. Here's a media montage, number six in three, two, one. Is there Clomentum? Clomentum. There's Klobuchar, there's Klobuchar, and there's Clomentum. Yeah, and when you look at the word, like I have it here on the official transcript, and it looks like a constipation ad that you would see on the internet or on TV. Just clobe, you know, clobe, clog, clob, clobmentum. And then you start clob surge. That could be the laxative version of it. Here's Amy Klobuchar herself last night at her headquarters uh, in, uh, in Concord, New Hampshire. Hello, America. I'm Amy Klobuchar, and I will beat Donald Trump. And I am very mean, by the way. Ask my staff. Donald Trump's worst nightmare is that the people in the middle, the people who have had enough of the name calling and the mud slinging, have someone to vote for in November. I'm John Lennon dream number nine is going through my my head here. She eats her salad, by the way, with a comb. Did you know that, folks? If you want to know what happened to Focahontas, it's very simple. Bernie Sanders tomahawked her in the back. From the moment that he said she couldn't win because she's a woman, her poll numbers nosedived and the wampum from donors dried up. They had an agreement. They had an, you remember this? They had an agreement not to attack each other. Focahontas and Crazy Bernie. And Bernie broke it. Just one more treaty the white man violated with the native peoples. Indigenous peoples. Focahontas. Anyway, the, the Klobuchar comb and sa- it's true. I'll explain it in a minute. And welcome back. Great to have you with us, my friends. Rush Limbaugh, the EIB Network, and the Limbaugh Institute for Advanced Studies. And no graduates, no degrees, because the learning never stops. 800-282-2882 if you want to be on the program. And the uh, email address, lrushbow at eibnet.us. Well, yeah, this is a... This is a big thing. All right, let's let's talk about what happened here with the the DOJ, the Attorney General Barr, these four prosecutors, the uh, Roger Stone case, because this, folks, is an object lesson in um, in presidential follow through. And I, I the the proof of the pudding here is I'm, I'm watching the drive-by meeting. Oh my God, this is horrible. This is so bad. Trump now has no guardrails. There's nobody stopping Trump from doing anything. He survived impeachment. He survived the Russia thing. Oh my God, there's nothing to stop Trump. This is horrible. This is bad. And of course, that's exactly 180 degrees wrong. 
Now, the big news here is Roger Stone. Now, you remember Roger Stone was minding his own business one day at home. And then jackbooted thugs, along with CNN cameras, strategically located outside his front door surrounding his house. At 6 a.m., they stormed in and, 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 and pulled the guy out of bed and run him down to jail and charge him with something or other. Why was CNN there? Who tips it? Well, we know why CNN was there. This whole thing was a setup. And so Roger Stone is charged with some crime having to do with the Russia hoax. Some involvement he had with WikiLeaks in the Hillary emails. It was specious because this whole thing has been made up. This entire hoax, this entire coup started out with the Steele dossier. Four FISA warrants were granted on a fake document to spy on the Trump campaign via Carter Page. There was never anything to it. Not a single crime was committed by the Trump campaign at any stage. There was never any evidence of a crime of, of a crime having been committed. So anything that was charged along the way here was purely political. What happened to Manafort, those things that they charged and convicted Manafort on had nothing to do with when he was in charge of the Trump campaign or working there. Sentenced to solitary confinement, sentenced to die in jail, and that's what they did to Roger Stone. They gave him a seven to nine year sentence, hoping he would die in jail. Roger Stone didn't do anything. There's not a person in the world that can tell you what Roger Stone did of a criminal nature that threatened the people of this country, that violated the laws of the country, that somehow helped the Trump campaign win an illegal election. Nothing. Roger Stone didn't do diddly squat. I could go on about this, but I, 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 don't, I don't want to further characterize Roger Stone. Roger, Roger Stone is a... He was an ancillary player who wanted to make himself look like he was in the middle of everything, and he wasn't. But because he put himself out there as a major player and a major advisor, he became a target. When I saw the special counsel was going to indict Roger Stone, that's the first. And But I do not mean this is an insult to Roger Stone in any way, shape, manner, for please don't misunderstand me. Uh, this is none of this is intended to be critical of Roger Stone at all. But, but the fact that they got an indictment and wanted to charge Stone with anything was all the evidence any of us needed. They didn't have a thing on anybody and they never were going to have a thing on anybody because all of this was was factually made up. There was never a story. There was never a hoax. There was never Russia collusion. There was never any evidence of any kind supporting this. This was a pure hatched effort to stop Donald Trump from being inaugurated. And then after he was inaugurated, it was to get him thrown out of office. The Mueller investigation was a very elaborate obstruction of justice trap. A very elaborate process crime trap. Like I told you, they appoint Mueller. 
As special counsel, he gets to the special counsel office. He's got his 16 lawyers there. He says, okay, let me see the file. What's the evidence of the Russia case? There isn't any. You go back two years on this program where I said if, Roger, if, if, if Robert Mueller was indeed the man of honor and integrity that they told us he is, he would have refused the gig. He would have not taken that job once he saw that there wasn't a shred of evidence when it comes to anything Trump and Russia. If there wasn't any evidence, there wasn't a shred of evidence, there never has been, they haven't produced any. So what happened in those two years? Why did he take that job? Well, we all know why he took the job. He was the figurehead that allowed all of his Democrat lawyers, Hillary-supporting, Trump-hating lawyers, to try to build a case that could be used ultimately in impeachment to get rid of Trump and throw him out of office. And it was in the midst of all that that they ended up charging people that had nothing to do with anything. Roger Stone, seven to nine years. So these prosecutors, and this is the truncated version of this, the prosecutors recommend seven to nine years. And anybody who has followed this knows how absolutely atrocious that is. They know how bogus it is. And the fact that the attorney general moved in here to stop it ought to be one of the best indications you could get so far that he and Durham are still working this case and they still have major announcements yet to come over all of these people that engage themselves in this coup. To shut this down this way, I don't care whether Trump was involved in it or not. He has total freedom to be involved in this. If he can pardon Stone, then what the hell's everybody worried about whether or not he gets involved in the sentence being reduced? And he can pardon Stone. Seven to nine years, Stone's age, that's, that's, he's being sentenced to die in prison. He didn't do anything, folks. Because nothing that was alleged during this entire Russia collusion hoax happened. So all these charges of people like Manafort and Roger Stone, it's just the, it's, it's, it's the only thing they could do to make it look like there were things that went on. Roger Stone got caught up with his own bragging about what he knew about WikiLeaks and who he was talking to about it, just his desire to be a player. And uh, they said, okay, you want to be a player? Well, here's what we're going to happen to you, player. And he gets charged. And convicted, and then here comes the sentencing recommendation, and Barr says, this is just ridiculous. This whole thing is ridiculous. Every aspect of this case has been ridiculous. It is nothing more than an elaborate coup, and they're moving in, and they've totally withdrawn those sentencing guidelines seven to nine years. So the four prosecutors resign. Now, who are these four prosecutors? One of the prosecutors was Robert Mueller's lead investigator. These four prosecutors are holdovers from the Mueller investigation who are still trying to make all of their time pay off somehow, some way. And this is Trump and this is Barr blocking them. This is justice taking place, but it's still a matter of some question because the judge... Amy Jackson Berman can do whatever she wants when, uh, when, when Stone is sentenced on, on February 20th. Now, this judge, and Trump has tweeted about it, this, this judge is the judge who, who, who demanded that, that Manafort be put in solitary confinement. 
seven to nine years. Can can anybody out there tell me what Stone did? You know what the average rapist sentence is? Four and a half years. Beat somebody up grand larceny, one and a half to two years. Manslaughter second degree starts at 15 years, plea bargain down to under 10. Here's Roger Stone, seven to nine years, and he hasn't done diddly squat, certainly by comparison. So Trump's out there attacking the judge as well, in addition to praising Barr for uh, moving in on the case this way. And it is a gutsy thing for Barr to do. This goes flat out smack dab right in the face of the Washington establishment and the people who were in, in, in charge and responsible for this coup. But the thing is, the judge can do whatever she wants. Now with Trump attacking the judge, the judge can sentence the guy to maintain the seven to nine years if she wants on February 20th. And she could do it out of spite. She could do it on the grounds, you're the president, I understand it, but you don't get to tell me how to do my job. I'm independent. I got a lifetime appointment. You don't, you schlub. You can't talk to me this way. Your guy's going to jail for seven to nine years, despite all this. She can still do that. And then Trump can still pardon him. I have no idea what the judge is going to do, but my, my guess would be that she's going to slap the seven to nine years back on him. My guess, that's what some people want to happen here so that the establishment will show their vindictive. What do you mean? You don't think they want that to happen? I think they do. Barr's not a dummy. Barr's not just playing one move ahead. But this is outrageous. Every aspect of this case was outrageous. This should have never happened. This remains the most outrageous political scandal that has occurred in our lifetimes, folks. And there's nothing even close, including Watergate, which is nothing but romper room compared to what happened here. And they can't find a single crime involved or undertaken by anybody in the central charge of the case, and that is that Russia meddled with the election and Trump helped to benefit him and hurt Hillary. That's what they said. There's no evidence. It didn't happen. In fact, the meddling with Russia was occurring between Hillary and the DNC or law firms. The meddling with Russia did happen. The rigging election did happen against Crazy Bernie, the 2016 Democrat primary. But Trump didn't do anything. Trump nor his team did anything. They had 40 FBI agents on the Mueller investigation. 40 FBI. Again, folks, Robert Mueller takes the job as special counsel. He shows up to the office on day one and says, show me the file. What do we got on the Russians? Uh, Nothing, Bob. Uh, No evidence yet. What do you mean, no evidence? Okay, get me 40 FBI agents and we're going to find it. And they had 40, 40 FBI agents, everybody in this case. And I'm sorry, this still makes me so mad I can't see straight, which is why I'm yelling. Everybody on the Mueller side, the Democrat side, the special counsel side, everybody on this side knew that there was not a shred of evidence ever to back up one single charge they were making. This was a made-up, manufactured attempt to get rid of Trump, and they had 40 FBI agents looking for dirt, trying to make up dirt, talk about Ukraine and making things up. And even with that, and with spies from the FBI and informants, they couldn't find one thing. 
that Trump or anybody in his immediate circle had done that violated election law. 40 FBI agents. What did they do for two years? 40 FBI agents, 16 Hillary lawyers, Robert J. Mueller III, whatever, and they got Roger Stone. Did you say to yourself, who the hell is this? When that indictment came down and they're they're ramrodding his house with the jackbooted thugs in the CNN cameras is after Manafort's been given solitary confinement. What did he do? Find out he did nothing. With the Trump campaign, the stuff they got him for happened in his businesses before he was even part of the Trump campaign. How can any so-called crime have occurred in a bogus, no-evidence allegation of collusion between Trump and Russia. If they couldn't find one shred of evidence to support it, what the hell crime occurred anywhere? If there was no Trump-Russia collusion, then what the hell did Stone do with WikiLeaks that was criminal? Zip, zero, nada. WikiLeaks got hold of John Podesta's emails because John Podesta fell for a phishing scam on his own computer. So it only makes sense that the attorney general, seeing an outrageous seven to nine year sentence for a guy, that means he's going to die in jail for something that nobody in this country can name that he did criminally. Moves and this is excessive. And then these four holdover prosecutors from the Mueller investigation decide to resign in a huff, in anger, because their work has totally been blown up now. Moving in and reducing the sentence on Stone is the final move on blowing up everything having to do with Robert J. Mueller III and Andrew Weissman and the rest of that bogus team with those phony FBI clowns and all of the subterfuge they engaged in to overturn the election results of 2016. There wasn't a single crime committed in anything they alleged. Got to take a break. Back after this, don't go away. The views expressed by the host of this program documented to be almost always right 99.8% of the time. So I checked the email. So what did Stone do, Rush? Can't you be more... Okay, I'll tell you what Stone did. If you really... You really want to... You're going to... You're going to demand more, but I'm going to tell you what it is. Roger Stone's crime boils down to him having tweeted congratulations to WikiLeaks when they published the DNC emails. That is basically it. That is how he made himself a target. He tweeted congratulations. That let them zero in on what did he know? Was he part of it? Did he facilitate making them available? Did he tell Trump in advance that WikiLeaks had the DNC emails? His crimes are all process crimes. Roger Stone's crimes are process crimes. He mixed up some dates in his posts, in his tweets. He was never charged with anything involving the Russians or election meddling folks. (laughs) 
Roger Stone was never charged with anything that had to do with the Mueller team being constituted and put together in the first place. Now, the average sentence for rape in this country is four years. The average sentence for armed robbery is three years. If you beat somebody up while snatching their purse or wallet, that's a year and a half to two years. Roger Stone was given seven to nine years for essentially tweeting congratulations to Julian Assange and WikiLeaks when they published the DNC emails. This this sentence, this seven to nine year sentence, proof beyond any shadow of a doubt of the vindictiveness of the Mueller team and their last gasp effort to make what they did seem relevant. 40 FBI agents, folks. 40 FBI agents who knew there was nothing to the case. What did they do? Robert J. Mueller III, who knew there was nothing to the case. Andrew Weissman, who knew there was nothing to the case. And the other 15 Hillary lawyers on that team who knew there was nothing to the case. What did they do? Why, they snared Roger Stone. And they set up essentially an obstruction of justice impeachment case for the House Democrats. Because they didn't have collusion. So they had to manufacture obstruction. And that blew up on them. That's why they had to go to that Ukraine phone call. With nothing to do with Mueller. Nothing to do with Stone. Nothing to do with Manafort. And they're trying to do the same thing to General Flynn. The sa- that, that, that is another... We can't criticize Vindman. Oh, no. Decorated military can't criticize Vindman. We can certainly lie about General Flynn and try to put him in jail. Barr's had enough of it, folks. So has Trump. So should we all. Back in a moment. Yeah, we're going to get back to the phones here in a jiffy. Uh, We got a full board and people want to weigh in. And we're going to get to all of you. So please hang on. I just got a little wrap up here on this uh, Roger Stone's circumstance. Uh, We have names of two of the prosecutors who quit. Jonathan Kravis uh, wrote in a court filing he had resigned as assistant U.S. attorney, leaving government entirely. Totally frustrated. They spent two and a half years trying to get Donald Trump and they got nothing. See you later. Aaron Zelinsky, former member. Robert Mueller's team said he was quitting a special assignment to the D.C. U.S. Attorney's Office to prosecute Stone. Spokeswoman said he's going to go back to Baltimore, U.S. Attorney in Baltimore. But this was Mueller's team and trying to exact revenge, trying to get anything uh, out of this that, that they could. Devin Nunes was on with Lou Dobbs last night on the Fox Business Network. Dobbs said to Devin Nunes, is something terribly, terribly wrong happening in that Justice Department? The president's right. Is it just outrageous? The lawyers that stepped aside today that made the seven to nine year recommendation, this is not going to be the only example 
We think there's other examples of things that they did during the Mueller investigation that I think you and your listeners and the American people will be very interested to learn in the coming weeks as we start to unpeel the onion of what the Mueller team was really doing. When Mueller was appointed, we have to ask ourselves, he walks in the door the first day and said, okay, show me all the evidence you got on the Russians. They're like, "Uh, Bob, sorry, uh, we don't have any Russians here. We don't have any evidence. So what the hell did they do for two years? They set up an obstruction of justice trap. Stop and think of it. They made the same point. Mueller shows up, asks to see the file. There's no evidence. Why take the job? Well, I mean, it answers itself. But I'm saying if he's Mr. Honor and Mr. Integrity and Mr. All of This that we were told he is, then he should have known he's involved in a railroad here. He's involved in a coup And he chose to be part of it, chose to be the figurehead while the underlings did all the dirty work. Two years, what did they do? There was nothing to find. I'm being redundant here. Two years, nothing to find, but a lot of time to create potential traps down the road, which is what they did. If you read the Mueller report, you find out it makes a perfect primer for House committee chairman who might be planning in t- impeachment uh, investigations. Now, last night on CNN, special coverage of the New Hampshire primary, they were so outraged here over the attorney general moving in to reduce the sentences on Roger Stone that they broke away from coverage of their own presidential candidates to talk about this. And who did they go get? Andrew McCabe. Andrew McCabe, who has been fired from the FBI for lying, for engaging in this coup, is now an accredited commentator on CNN. And they wanted to know what he thought of all of this. It's preposterous to think that the president's own public statements had no impact on the department's reversal of their position on the recommendation. Look, this is something we've seen before. I've seen it myself very personally in my own situation. The president indicates on Twitter for the world to see exactly what he wants done, and the department lines up behind that and executes his uh, vision. We have seen that before. What, what do you think he's going to do after what you tried to do to him? You tried to take him out, McCabe. You think you're just going to sit there and have no retribution come your way? The audacity, the arrogance of these people. And now, David Rodham Gergen this morning, CNN Newsroom question. The deciding factor is, are you on the president's side or not? He's setting up two classes of people. One class of people he, he likes and he's going to give favor to. Another class that he hates and he's going to treat harshly. And he's compromising the Department of Justice in a way we have not seen, I don't think, since Watergate. I stopped and even the tape. Thought- That's just flat out BS. The compromising of Department of Justice took place by your buddy McCabe and by Comey and by all of these people running this bogus investigation. You talk about a two-tier system of justice where Hillary Clinton is totally exonerated for legitimate crimes of an off-site server, secured emails, unsecured emails all over the place. Hillary Clinton committing crimes by colluding with Russia, fake dossier, all of this. She is exonerated by the director of the FBI, not even the attorney general. She's totally exonerated because the attorney general met with her husband on the tarmac in Phoenix. In the midst of all this, the two-tier system of justice 
Is Democrats innocent, Republicans guilty? Except Donald Trump came in and put the kibosh on their effort to once again rid the town of elected Republicans. I know you people that voted for Trump have a great deal of admiration for him, but you don't know how much admiration you have in reserve for him because he's the only Republican you could have elected who would have ever fought back against any of this and beaten it. And they're not finished. He and Barr are not finished. I'm, I'm, I'm been convinced ever since I saw Barr impanel or Durham impanel a grand jury that they're serious about meeting out some serious punishment to the people who engaged in this hoax or this coup or what have you. Okay, now back to the phones. This is Bob in Spokane, Washington. I'm glad you waited. I appreciate it. How are you doing, sir? Doing fine, Rush. Mega dittos. Hey, run something by you. I'm thinking that these four prosecutors are trying to set up Trump because they went to the DOJ first with lesser sentencing. DOJ looked it over and said, yeah, okay. Then they go to court with this outrageous seven to nine. And, you know, the more outrageous, the better, because they know they're going to get a reaction from Trump. And they got it. And the DOJ. And they got it. Then they make this dramatic, we quit. Okay? You already got Schumer sending a letter over to Horowitz. This needs to be investigated. I think they're trying to set him up for obstruction of justice on the sentencing. Because last time, they didn't have a crime. Now they can point on the new, you know, uh, impeachment. We have the crime, uh, obstruction of justice. And I... Boy, I, to me, it just it looks like lather, rinse, repeat, you know, if that's what it is, if, if, if you're right. And if this whole thing is yet another Democrat scheme that the seven to nine years is designed to entrap Trump into engaging in activity that might be criminal, they have failed. I hope so. Well, well what are you afraid of? You, you think there's going to be a new investigation of Trump? The new impeachment hearings are finally going to convict, or convict him in the Senate or get 67 Republicans? Oh, this is horrible. Trump's got to go. Is that what you're afraid of? No. No, they don't need a conviction. They just need to keep this, this ball rolling and keep nagging at him and running at him and another impeachment trial and anything but to keep him from being successful. All right, for four years. It, 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 I hope they do. You know what? I really hope that that's their gambit because if they can't see what's happening... As a result of their three years in already, have you seen Trump's approval numbers in the Gallup poll, not Rasmussen? Have you seen the numbers of the American people satisfied with life in America? Trump has record turnout in uncontested primary races in New Hampshire and in Iowa. Trump's approval rating is at an all-time high, Congress all-time low. The Democrats are in an absolute mess. There's not one them. The drive-by media is is bleeding Ad revenue and audience. There's not a single thing they have done that has worked. And so they want to keep at it and try again? This is suicide if this is what they're doing. And I'm, I, they're, they're entirely capable of it. I just think they're knee-jerk reactioning. And if it is a setup, if it's these four prosecutors, okay, let's set Trump up. Let's sentence his buddy Stone seven or nine years. They'll let a little... This is hardly the stuff 
You know, Schumer goes on to, this is outrageous. I've never seen a president interfere in the Justice Department like this. Is a... They are forgetting that the electorate is up to speed on the things they have tried and failed. They ran an impeachment circus with the full-fledged support of the drive-by media, and they bombed out. None of it has worked. Now, I know it bothers you that they won't stop going after Trump and that you might fear that the American people are going to get so fed up with this that they got to stop it by getting rid of Trump. We're not there yet. And by the way, for all of this the Democrats are doing, Trump, Barr, Durham have not yet revealed what they are going to reveal later this year. Devin Nunes just alluded to it. The Democrats don't know yet what's about to hit them. we got to take a break. We'll be back and continue after this. Don't go away. All right. Uh, sound bites 22 and 23. I was going to shelve these until the next hour, but they, they, they kind of uh, dovetail with our last caller, who is very, 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 very alarmed. Uh, very concerned. This whole thing is a Justice Department with these four lawyers, a a trap to get Trump to act this way so they can restart impeachment hearings. And just, a, just an ongoing, never-ending um, attack on Trump as somebody unqualified shouldn't be there. And we have evidence that the drive-bys are looking at it this way. This Gloria Borger, who is... Uh, well, they're, they're out of their minds here. This is just this afternoon on, on CNN. And uh, question to Gloria Borger. This move that shows a DOJ backing a convicted criminal. Uh, crimes were on the president's behalf. Done for the benefit of the president in part. All the guy did was tweet congratulations to WikiLeaks when they released the DNC emails. And he made it look like he had something to do with it because he wanted to be seen as a player. I knew when this happened. Just, just Anyway, here's Gloria Borger reacting to the question. What I see is a president who believes the Department of Justice is the law firm of Donald J. Trump. And that is the way the attorney general behaves. And remember, during the campaign and early on in the president's tenure, he kept saying, where is my Roy Cohen? I need a lawyer like Roy Cohen, who was his infamous friend and attorney in New York who would do anything for him and, of course, had few scruples. The question is, uh, has been answered, I think. And his Roy Cohen seems to be the current attorney general, Bill Barr. Yeah. Um, before Bill Barr began to work for Trump, he was among the most respected lawyers in Washington by the drive-by media and by the entire establishment. He has been attorney general for numerous administrations He's been a special Justice Department uh, official for numerous administrations. Impeccable resume, impeccable intelligence, impeccable reputation. Until he started working for Trump. Now all of a sudden he's, uh, he's Roy Cohn. 
Uh, I realize a lot of people don't know who the hell is Roy Cohn, and obviously Gloria Borger doesn't know much about Roy Cohn either. I'll tell you about him in a minute, but I want to play the next soundbite. This is the uh, the uh, there's a hack, liberal hack, Manu Raju ran up to the Senate trying to gin up uh, new impeachment. Uh, hearings on this Roger Stone business. In light of the president's actions, do you think there's any lessons that he learned from being impeached? I don't know which actions you're referring to. I've made very clear that I don't think anyone should be retaliated against. I, I don't think it had anything to do with this. I haven't seen any proof that it has. Well, first off, I don't I don't know. You know, I don't know exactly what happened, but I do believe everybody there ought to be equal treatment under the law. So um, I mean, I'm sure I'll they just They ran up to the Senate and ran into any Republican they could. You're the Trump to be impeached over this thing in the DOJ. Susan Collins didn't even know what had happened yet. She thought she was being asked about retaliation to Colonel Vindman. Oh, Jose, can you see? Back to the phones. Winston, Salem, North Carolina. This Jeff, great to have you, sir. Hello. Hey, uh, mega prayers and mega dittos from a 31-year student who got in- introduced by my grandfather, World War II vet under uh, Patton. And I write this off my bucket list, and I have cigars and Pepsi. How are you doing today, Rush? Well, thank you very much. I, I, I appreciate that. I'm um, I'm great. Doing, I'm just a little tired here from this this the remnants of the flu, but other than that, I'm fine. Thank you. Well, you sound great. You sound wonderful. Um, I just wanted to. I did an observation, and there was a gentleman who called earlier um, with regards to Buddha Judge. I think the Democrat Party is going to be forced into. Um, having the ticket with Bernie and Buttigieg and have it just like that, Bernie and Buttigieg, because they both have Bs and everything. And in 2028, I think Buttigieg is going, bless you, I think Buttigieg is going to try to run for president. That's my theory. Okay, so you're you're responding to my question in the first hour. If you're the Democrat establishment and you've got these three front runners here, what what would your preference be? Who do you want to lose with? Uh, or who do you think you can win with? So, so you think that they're gonna they're gonna be happy with the crazy Bernie at the top as the nominee? With uh, no, I don't think they're gonna be happy. I think they're gonna be forced into it because the way the Democrat Party is going, and I've noticed over the past thirty years, um, it, it seems as though the uh, the the left every two years is doing something huge, a, a major push to the left. So the, it's just they're gonna have the time where I think that they're going to say, hey, we're ready to have Buddha judge in 2028 um, because it's just they're going they're going too far left too quick. And the Democrats, the old Democrats, they they're just they're getting washed away and uh, they're they're falling apart. So you like, think that they're going to they're going to resign themselves to crazy Bernie being the nominee and realize I can't do anything about it and grin and bear it. Basically, yes. That's that's my my theory. And when you're done with me, if I could talk to you, uh, Mr. Sturdy, briefly. Uh, well, okay. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. Sturdy wants to talk to you. All right. So we'll take a uh, <laughs> brief time out, my friends, and be back. Wrap up the hour right after this. Don't go away. I remember back in the day where the Attorney General of the United States said that he was Barack Obama's wingman. And remember back in the Obama administration when all of these uh, race riots were occurring all over the country, what did Obama do? 
He sent Eric Holder into every one of those towns to take over those police departments with consent decrees. The idea that Barack Obama was not directing the Justice Department to implement his political agenda is absurd. And Eric Holder admitted that he was Obama's wing. If if I want one, uh, that is mind-boggling. I just asked Snurdly, you think I ought to mention this? I just I just asked I just asked Snurdly lightheartedly, what did that guy want? That was through talking to me. He want to talk to you, and Snurdly did not. Hesitate, did not drop a beat, said he wanted to donate a lung if you wanted one. And then Snurdly said, well, you're getting two of those a day. Oh, wow. Um, Wow, okay. That would have been the last thing that I would have... I thought he was making arrangements to call back in, you know, trying to grease the skids to get get in again. Uh, well, I thought I don't, you you all just continue to uh, stop me dead in my tracks. With I I I continue to get um, emails and flowers and. Cards. I mean, it, 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 it's 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 just it's voluminous, and it is so touching. I mean, people recounting experiences they had thirty years ago, twenty five years ago. Uh, and this is why I said uh, last Friday, last week, that if. if, if how lucky I am, and people people have trouble understanding that. But believe me, uh, everything that's happened to me is a blessing, and I I I hear things like that, and I don't know what to do with it. I'm, my objective is to get mine fixed, so we'll see. Again, speaking of that. Um, Mike Stein is going to be here tomorrow and Friday. Mark Stein. Gets, so, and I'm, I hope to be back um, bright and early next week uh, to just pick up where we left off. Anyway, greetings and welcome back. So happy you're all here. Telephone number if you want to be on the program, 800-282-2882. The email address, lrushbo at uh, eibnet.us. Van Jones, people are depressed by the primary. Yeah, I just got a note from, oh my God, Rush, I cried. She says, stop me dead in my tracks, though, is not the best expression you could use. Well, it's the first thing that came to my mind. 
<coughs> that's the flu. By the way, do not do not get that. Just I hate it. I always, I just thought this was a common cold, and it uh, and it first tested negative for flu. They were so convinced it was the flu. They took blood and they found out that it was the flu because I was insisting it wasn't when they wanted a hospital. I said, I don't need to be hospitalized. It's a cold. I get one of these things every two years. It's the flu. So they were going to find evidence of the flu if it took them six years. And they did, justified being in the hospital. But it's the, now the remnants of it. And so I apologize if the, uh, if the sniffles are irritating. Anyway, where was I? Van Jones people depressed by the primary process just want somebody to vote for against Trump. Okay. Why, why do you think Democrats are depressed by this? Okay, you've got you got Bernie Sanders who uh, is is trying again after having had it taken away from him in 2016. Now you have all these other people. You've you had Kamala Harris. By the way, is her stock as a potential VP now rising vis-a-vis the black vote and Biden maybe going south? But I find this fascinating. Van Jones on Tuesday said on CNC, he thinks Democrat voters are depressed and sad over the Democrat primary process, saying that it is a messy, confusing choice. Democrats just want somebody to vote for against Trump. Yeah, he says, I think people are depressed. I think people are sad. I think people can't figure out which of the people they're supposed to vote for. And people are waiting to come out and vote against Trump. Well, you know what this says? I mean, if this is true, if he's right about this, I think people can't figure out which of the people they are supposed to vote for. This party is guaranteed to lose. Now, that may be a risky thing to say this far out. But if there isn't, if there's not even one candidate in this whole shebang... That is inspiring people to want to vote for them for reasons having nothing to do with Trump. I mean, you would think that you want to vote for somebody because what their vision is or what they want to accomplish or what they want to help you accomplish. But these people have got it in their head. They are so poisoned with Trump hatred that that's all they want. It's no wonder they're depressed because they're looking at this seeing nobody who can beat Trump. That's the bottom line. I think this depression that Van Jones has recognized can be traced directly back to the drive-by media. All of these Democrats immerse themselves in it. They immerse themselves in the New York Times and the Washington Post and PMSNBC and CNN, ABC, CBS, NBC... Uh, take your pick, USA Today, Los Angeles Times, and they get a steady diet of nothing but Trump hatred. That's all it's been for four years. But the problem is that same media has been promising these people that Trump is going down. They promised people that there was evidence Trump was a traitor. 
They promised their readers and viewers that there was evidence Trump had meddled in the election and stole it. They promised they had sources, named and unnamed, anonymous. They had the goods. They were going to get Trump. It was only a matter of time. Then here comes Schiff and his merry man of impeachers. And they were going to get Trump. And it's been one gigantic blob disappointment after another. Despite promise after promise after promise that Trump was going down. So the fact that these Democrats are depressed, I think, has more to do with the fact that they can't. They can't understand how the media has been so wrong. The media assured them the media is their religion. The media is their gospel. The media promised them. That Trump did it, that Trump cheated, that Trump stole. The media promised them that Trump said all these things that he hasn't said and done all these things he hasn't done. And the media that made all these promises and the Mueller team that made all the commitments, there hasn't yet been an apology. There has yet to be a mea culpa. There has yet to be the media. So you know what? Yeah, we kind of blew it. Yeah, we were kind of wrong. The media is not trying to find out who lied to them. The media is not trying to find out who misled them. You ever find out, ever think anything about that? Isn't that interesting? Because the media wasn't lied to. The media was not misled. The media was part of this. The media were co-conspirators in this in an attempt to create a groundswell of public opinion among Trump voters to abandon him. And that's another thing they're depressed about. So now Van Jones says that this depression is is about the candidates. Yeah, there just doesn't seem to be anybody that knows who to vote for. They don't know who it is it can be. Who are they supposed to support that they can defeat Trump? This is a part this party is in a bigger mess than anybody knows. And there are a lot of people that are acknowledging the Democrat Party's in a mess. It is in a big, big mess. I'll tell you one of the reasons why. What are you laughing about? What? (laughs) Would you stop throwing wrenches in this? So Snurder says, what if Biden comes back in South Carolina? What would that mean? You mean wins it? What? Was it... I hope it happens, you know, but I, I, if, if Biden comes back, gets enough delegates in South Carolina, that's just going to, that's just going to delay the pain. That's just going to, that's just going (laughs) to, it's going to create more illusion of things that aren't true. I think this is such a classic example of what happened. They have lost their ability to connect the party. The party has lost its ability to connect with its own voters. But I'll tell you, this Trump hatred it has never been rational. And the irrationality has been amplified to the point that it is it's delusional and almost poisonous and you 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 see the results of it and it's infected everybody on the left and the media it's infected elected democrats and so forth 
I think this is just a fascinating thing to admit. People can't figure out which of the people they are supposed to vote for, and people are waiting to come out and vote against Trump. So, essentially, they don't care. They don't care who the nominee is. Just get us to November. Well, where is this enthusiasm? The enthusiasm, he says, is there isn't showing up yet in the Hawkeye Hawkeye or in New Hampshire. Democrat turnout is is anemic. And in the millennial age group, it was 11% in New Hampshire. It was nothing. Let me find, let me see, hang on, uh, I'm looking for Mark Penn. Mark Penn, hang on just a second here. I think I'm already out of order. In the, number 14, yeah, but I need to see what comes before it and after it. And da, 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 da. Okay, Mark Penn is warning the Democrats if Biden doesn't come back, Trump is going to steal African-American votes. This was last night on the Fox Business Network. Wall Street Journal editor Jerry Baker talking to Mark Penn. If Biden uh, comes back, it will be because uh, there's a a deep love for him within the African-American community. If he doesn't and that vote is drifting, right now that vote will not really have as big a turnout as it would have had because they're not really energized as yet by any of these candidates and none of these candidates has a history of energizing African-American voters. Meanwhile, President Trump is making an all-out attempt to get African-American voters and his favorability there has risen from about 10 to close to 25, particularly with African-American men. I would say then that they are in deep doo-doo because old Joe ain't coming back to the degree he needs to come back to save the African-American vote for the, because that would mean he's got to get the nomination. Do you think that he's got any way of getting enough? Remember, I said 11 months ago, he's not got a prayer. And you know that I'm not wrong about this, no matter what you think these people talking about now. Anyway, let me take a uh, a brief time out. We will uh, be back and get started uh, on this hour's phone calls. Sit tight. Don't go away. Here's Farmington Hills, Michigan. David, great to have you, sir. Hello. Mega dittos, Rush. Mega prayers. This morning, I uh, took a peek over the fence to see what the other side was saying about things. And they went way overboard, bad-mouthing Barr and and his team for involving themselves in Roger Stone's case. And and I just think that the media are trying to discredit and tarnish him because they know that the upcoming results of their investigation of the swamp is going to be embarrassing when it's public. And I think they're just trying to make them look bad in advance to build a foundation. It seems like more than one or two people are, are ranting and raving like that. Well, you know, that's a good point. And it's been, it, it's been mentioned before, and it's, there's no doubt that they know what's coming. Everybody knows, everybody involved in this knows what they did, and they are very aware that if it's uncovered and reported, that it ain't going to be good. Andrew Weissman, Mueller, these people know what they did. Those 40 FBI agents for two years who found nothing, they know what they did. All these FBI Staff pukes and Comey, you know, they know what they did. And they are quaking in their boots. This, much of this, by the way, was designed as a cover up to make sure what they did never came out. 
that everybody was so distracted by dealing with these charges against Trump that the real scandal of Hillary Clinton and the FBI and the Russians would never come out. Well, it is going to come out, and these people that did what they did know what they did, and therefore they know what can be discovered. So if Barr and Durham are doing this, then what, what, what's left to these people but to discredit Barr? And to discredit Durham and to discredit Trump and to make it look like what they report is nothing more than sour grapes. So, yeah, there's no question that that's probably uh, an element here. But you know what? Despite that, David, what you saw on MSNBC today would have happened anyway. You're looking at borderline insanity when you turn on MSNBC. You're looking at borderline, let me let me qualify it further, political insanity. You're looking at borderline delusional political insanity when you turn on CNN. And then you add the frustration of failure to these people who don't know failure. When they decide to take somebody out, they generally succeed in doing it. But they have failed with Trump. So even if there weren't a need to discredit Barr, if there weren't a need to discredit Trump, the investigator, whatever, they would still react this way. Trump is in their heads, has totally poisoned them, and no matter what he does, no matter what he says, this is the reaction they're going to have to it. Meeting and surpassing all audience expectations every day, I... Rush Limbaugh, America's anchorman, real anchorman, talent on loan from God. And back to the phones, this, uh, what is it? Yeah, no, I'm looking, I've, I've never seen it. Sturgis, okay, I thought it was Sturgis, you've got it spelled Sutgis. And so it can't be Sutgis. So Sturgis, I knew that's what it was because I've heard of Sturgis, Kentucky. That's why I am on this side of the microphone. Ken, greetings. Welcome to have you on the EIB Network. Hello, sir. Hello, Rush. Mega prayers, my friend. Thank you, sir, very much. Thank you. Yeah, I want to get your opinion on uh, what President Trump can spend his new political capital on. And and my point is, I think in this post impeachment status that he's in, he's uniquely powerful, and he's going to take advantage of that. This is a brilliant, brilliant question. And I have the answer for you here in a stack of stuff that I am so glad you called because I would have forgotten that I had this in a stack of stuff, and this is important. Trump's political capital. Uh, You're right. He has survived now every bogus attempt to reverse the election results. He has survived every bogus criminal attempt to put him in jail, to get him thrown out of office, to ruin him, his family ditto. He's survived it all. His approval numbers are now at an all-time high in Gallup, not Rasmussen, but in Gallup for his presidency. The American people's approval numbers of his handling of the economy and their satisfaction was all-time high. Therefore, Trump has the balance of this year 
to really try to make hay, folks, to really, really try to make tracks and to incorporate whatever he can into his reelection effort. And I think there is a hint to be found in the president's budget. Now, normally, the discussion of budgets, traditionally on talk radio, if you want to kill your show, if you want to, if you want to destroy your audience, start talking about budgets. But not true in recent years because of the size of the federal budget. Remember, it was the Obama administration's seemingly limitless spending on health care that caused the Tea Party to organically create, which frightened the Washington establishment, and that was specifically about budget. The way to use this capital can be found in Trump's budget. Headline of a story I found on it. Trump budget cuts size of federal government, but bolder reforms are needed. Now, this is this is a Daily Signal story, and they're chronicling what the uh, attempts here to reduce the size of government are in Trump's budget. They don't think he goes far enough. But I think that it is time Trump gets serious about this. I think it's time Trump get aggressive about spending. He has achieved a lot of his agenda. He has revived the economy. This is the time to get serious about the discussion of of bringing down this excessive spending. It's got to stop at some point. We know this. We've known it our entire lives. It hasn't stopped, except for a couple of brief intervals in the 1990s where the budget was balanced for six months or so. But it is a big issue. Spending, federal spending, ongoing limitless federal spending is a big issue for a lot of people who may not vote for Donald Trump. Now, we don't talk about this much. We haven't talked about this since the 2016 campaign. One of the things that happened in that campaign was that traditional conservative elements sort of got swept aside. This is one of the things that never Trumpers couldn't deal with. Uh, they just they couldn't they couldn't stomach a Republican nomination where there wasn't some concern for fiscal restraint, federal spending, the overall expansion of the budget and so forth. Uh, now, Republicans have talked about it, have never done anything serious about it other than in the 90s. Uh, with when when they won control of the House for the first time in 40 years. But there are a lot of potential Trump Republican voters who don't vote for him because of this. And I think this is a way to get him back in the fold. Now, if I, I looked at I looked at Trump's budget request. And here's what I found just with a cursory glance. It, it's it's a humongously long. I can't read the whole thing. So you have to know where to go to find what you're looking for, which I do because I'm a highly trained broadcast specialist. Trump's budget request would cut spending by $4.4 trillion and finally, after years, put the federal budget on a path to balance. Doesn't have to balance tomorrow. Doesn't have to balance next year. It's the pathway. It is the intention. It is the structure of the budget 
aimed at that that would matter, and it would be big. It would be big. It, it, it's, it's one of the ways of disarming the left. I mean, look at what the left is talking about. $52 trillion Medicare for all. Take it crazy, Bernie, Focahontas, any of these people and their massive federal spending programs. It is obvious that it doesn't matter a hill of beans to them. They've gone full-fledged socialist, and it may as well be that there isn't a federal budget. Their spending is such that it may not matter that there isn't even money. Because I'll tell you that we don't have the money for all the spending they have planned. $52 trillion over 10 years, $60 trillion over 10 years for health care for all. And by the way, Medicare for all is not Medicare. This is one of the grandest marketing deceptions in politics. Medicare is a separate thing for people 65 and older. Then there are derivatives in it. You can choose it. You can not be part of it. You can pay cash. You can do whatever you want. Medicare for all is not Medicare for 65 and everybody else. Medicare for all is single payer. And Medicare today is not single payer. But the Medicare for all that Focahontas and Crazy Bernie talking about is single payer. And if that day ever happens, here's what's going to happen. Most people will not be able to get health care without going through the government. There it's going to be rationed and it's going to be lackluster. It's not going to be the best. And then people that don't have to because they can afford it are going to have much better hospitals and much better doctors, concierge hospitals, concierge doctors, and they'll get their credit card out and they'll pay for their medical care and it'll be top flight. And people that can't afford that are going to be stuck in the Medicare for all system and hello, coronavirus and whatever else. <clears throat> and this is and this is going to cost 60 trillion dollars and it still isn't going to work. 60 trillion there isn't 60 trillion dollars printed or in circulation. The Democrats are acting as though there isn't even the need for money anymore. So Trump's budget proposal to eliminate 4.4 trillion dollars and put the federal budget on a path to balance Brilliant, I think, and especially as a way of getting some because there are there are a lot of so-called conservative Republicans that are still not very, very nervous about all this. Trump's budget also would significantly reduce the federal bureaucracy, and you can see he will occasionally identify some cut in the bureaucracy that he wants to make. Some bureaucracy here, some division of some cabinet-level office over here. And whenever he does it, everybody has a cow. You can't just shut that down, but he's serious about it. He always has been serious about it. But to do something like this, you do need to do it from a position of strength, and you do need to do it when the economy is just humming along and smoking. He would prioritize national defense. That would be the priority, not welfare, not, a, not, not, not entitlements, but national defense. As I said, Daily Signals reviewed it. They don't think he's going far enough, but I think... This is one way he could use the political capital, Ken, that you're talking about. 
to really solidify his agenda and and his presidency and and close the loop on what his vision for the country actually is. I'm glad you called. We'll be back here in just a second. Don't go away. So I checked an email, you know, I do that during the break now and then. And there were a couple, what do you mean Medicare for all is not Medicare for everybody? I realize I went through that very quick. I should have spent more time on this when the Democrats were debating this, but I don't know. I just have a tough time taking these people seriously. But this is this is a good point. Everybody knows what Medicare is, and for the most part, people like it. Medicare now is 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 for the elderly, uh, sixty five and older. On average, you can opt in. There are various plans within Medicare that you can choose or not choose. Um, it's something that people pay into, so it's not completely seen as welfare, and they like it. It's uh, it's an entitlement that's settled in, and people like it. Nobody wants to get rid of Medicare. It's how Nana and Grandpa are dealt with and handled without stress on the rest of the family. And it helps with prescription prices and a whole bunch of things. And as I say, you can choose um, to supplement it with some of your own money and have it even better, or you can not. It's, it's got some options in it. So the Democrats have come along, Crazy Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, and they've got this thing called Medicare for All, which is designed to make you think that what they want to do is expand Medicare for 65 and older and just include everybody on it. It's not what they mean. It's what they want you to think. Medicare for All is something entirely different. Medicare for all is what Obama really wanted with Obamacare. What is what he wanted it to eventually become, and that is single payer. You have no choice. If you have private insurance, it's going to be taken away from you. If you have insurance at your employer, it's going to be taken away from you. And over 150 million Americans get their health insurance At work, it's going to be taken away from you with Medicare for All. But remember, Medicare for All is not the current Medicare program just applied to everybody. It's entirely new, single payer. And it takes away from you every aspect of your health care today that you might like and puts the government in total control of health insurance, health coverage, and health treatment. That's, But they're not telling you that. They want you to think that Medicare for All is simply the expansion of existing Medicare to everybody, and it isn't. In, in the UK, you can go to government providers or you can spend and go to a private non-government provider. You will not have that choice under Medicare for All. They are not going to allow any private health care. Sanders and Warren and any other Democrat will not allow any private health care under Medicare for all. Don't doubt me. And we haven't talked about Bloomberg today because I just don't think that's real yet. And it, 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 Bloomberg, this racism stuff and his stop and frisk. Um, we'll get to Bloomberg when it's time. I just, I, I, I just have never thought you've heard me. So I don't think the guy's got a prayer. 
for reasons that have nothing to do with anything that he thinks. Actually, that's not true. There's something about Bloomberg. This is what I should say about this. I don't understand how the guy has gotten as far as he's gotten when he's as dumb as he is. Now, Rush, he's a billionaire. He's a billionaire. He's not I know it's automatically concluded that billionaires are smart. And he may be smart in the business he set up. But when I heard Bloomberg talk about the dictator of the Chicoms, hey, look, he's got to serve his constituents, too. And he's got to hold office. He's got to stay in office. He's got to please his constituents like any other leader does. What? How in the world can you believe that a communist dictator thug cares about what voters think when they don't? More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 